You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson. In this episode, we'll be visiting with Francis Batista, one of the founders of Best Friends Animal Society, which is based in Kanab, Utah. This national animal welfare organization builds no-kill programs and partnerships that all work toward the day when there will be no more homeless pets. With his wife, Silver, native New Yorker Francis is now advising, creating, and launching other animal welfare initiatives in the city of Los Angeles. Among these, the Best Friends Brigade that brings volunteers together to help animals on a project-by-project basis, the Cat Nippers Spay Neuter Program for Feral Felines, and the organization's newest initiatives, ALA No Kill Los Angeles, the goal of which is to end the killing of healthy and treatable pets in all L.A. shelters, and a new partnership with the City of L.A. to operate one of L.A.'s shelters as a pet adoption and spay-neuter center. Francis and I will be chatting about all of this and more when we return from these messages. So please, sit, stay. We'll be right back after this pause. Sit, stay, We'll be right back after a short pause. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We're back. And you're listening to On the Road with Mac and Molly. Joining us now from Kanab, Utah, is Francis Batista, one of the founders of Best Friends Animal Society. Welcome, Francis, and thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Donna, and it's a pleasure. 
Okay. Well, I have had the great pleasure of visiting the sanctuary in Kanab several times in recent days. And as is true of the great many who have had that joy and privilege, I have been deeply impressed on each visit by the natural beauty of the setting, the quality of the facilities, the comfort set out for the companion animals, and the level of dedication that was in evidence from all of the staff members and volunteers that I've met. I'm wondering, Francis, as one of the founders of of Best Friends, which uh, apparently got its start in Canab, or at least in you know prior to that, in the in the minds of those who pulled this all together, I wonder if we might begin at the beginning. Would you share a bit about the organization's history, how Best Friends came into being, through whose efforts, and where, and when, and why? Well, Best Friends began really here uh, in Southern Utah, but the seeds of it were found in the work of uh, our colleagues, group of friends who were working in various areas of animal welfare. Faith Maloney, for example, has, was running a little shelter in Pennsylvania. Another colleague was doing a, an animal radio show, coincidentally, in Phoenix. Several of us were doing rescue work out of uh, a little ranch in Arizona near Prescott. And so that work and uh, our commitment to the animals over a period of time really began as uh, our work in anti-vivisection, where we were doing pamphleteering and writing and advocacy work related to animal experimentation. And then in the 70s, we kind of individually and collectively got into shelter rescue and over time became more involved in you know, caring for the animals, working with animals that were sick, uh, working with vets to care for animals that had been rescued from the shelter that were old or had at the time one of the most common killers of cats was feline leukemia and that was pre-vaccine and so we did a lot of nursing care and became rather expert at you know providing long-term care for cats that had otherwise simply been automatically euthanized and so in fact we had one of the largest colonies of you know long-term care of feline leukemia cats and so uh, we were somewhat of a novelty and participated in some of the early studies that helped bring about the feline leukemia vaccine, you know, so we weren't doing experiments, but we were trying things to help the kitties that were in our care, and part of that was to do some field trials, and that worked. So we were, you know, baked in the cake quite a long time ago, and then when we had the opportunity to work and build a sanctuary here in southern Utah, we arrived with probably about 200 animals amongst a small group of us, and we had a unique opportunity to acquire some unbelievable land at a ridiculously low price because it was all kind of white elephant, you know, was not really useful for anything, although we thought it was just perfect for us. And we arrived and started building some places to stay, and we were planning to make a, you know, a kind of a retreat for the public and an animal sanctuary and all those kind of wonderful things. And one of our dogs went stray and went uh, wound up down in the local pound, which was really just a tin roof shed in a field behind the airport. Once a week, a vet would come out and put any animals that were there down. It was really sad. And we thought anything we did would have to be better than that. And so we went to the mayor and said, hey, we'd like to do animal control. And they said, the mayor was out watering his lawn. And he said, sure, go ahead. You know, like they could care less. It was, uh, you know, they didn't have a, an animal control officer. Uh, they had, you know, only recently, you know, just within the previous decade or so stopped, you know, shooting strays. And so it was kind of one of these very rural areas and we took on animal control within a few years. Of course, we weren't putting any animals to sleep or killing anything. We were nursing them and caring for them. And within a few years here in the middle of the desert, we had 
1,200 animals. And we realized, oh my goodness, we need to get real here. We need to create an organization. So we, that's how the organization of Best Friends was formed. And we started from scratch and kind of re- kept reinventing the wheel all along the way until we built an organization that had a, a national following. How did Best Friends then develop into what it is today? Can you maybe share some of the milestones that you hit along the way? Sure. Well, we broke ground here in 1984. And within a couple of years, as I say, we had you know, all of our resources and the combined collective savings of all the people involved went into the work with the animals and building runs and enclosures and medical care and dog food and cat food and all the things that anybody who does rescue knows just kind of basically takes all the time, energy, and resources that you have. And so we realized that if we were going to do right by the animals that we'd committed to, we had to go out and build a following and a membership and raise funds and all of those things that you don't really think about when you begin to get into rescue because you're just doing what you can and you want to do the right thing for the animals. But we started to go out different cities and we started doing cabling and just introducing people to the work that we were doing. This was in the late 80s and early 90s. And it was all very simple, very fundamental. Set up a card table outside of a health food store, grocery store, wherever, and talk to people about what we were doing, show pictures of the animals and ask people support. And that's how we both met a wide ranging public from you know Los Angeles to Albuquerque and up to Seattle by just going out and doing what we could do to help support the work that we started and then building the mailing list, raising funds, then we created the magazine and all of that followed logically one after the other in order to create an organization that would sustain the commitment that we'd made to the animals. Now how large has the organization grown to today? Well, today Best Friends is a uh, really an international organization, but we have about 300,000 members and an annual budget of, you know, over approaching $50 million. So mm-hmm. it really went from sort of the negative on the balance sheets to where we were scrounging around for fencing and supplies and food for the animals and, you know, wherever we could find it and however we could beg it to really being a thriving organization to where we are now in a position to help other organizations with grants and training and classes and funding and support and various other things that we provide through various programs, as well as uh, undertaking direct program work in a variety of cities around the country. As you mentioned, Los Angeles is preeminent among them, but uh, we have programs in Salt Lake. We're doing work in San Antonio and Albuquerque. We've funded things in Jacksonville and New York. And so we've, you know, the, the organization has grown enormously and the ability to do more and do better has, uh, you know, accompanied that growth. Why do you think the organization has taken off in such an astonishing way? Well, I think one of the, the initial keys to that was really the no-kill message. And back in the day when we started doing this work, we also realized that we as animal lovers and people who were really you know, very familiar with all the work that goes into rescuing and saving animals and what it's like inside a shelter and all this, the sadness that's attached to all of that, we would get you know, information, magazines, appeals, and various things through the mail that we couldn't even read. You know, and we were pretty hardcore, but it was so graphic and so off-putting that you sort of peeked in, shut your eyes, closed the cover, and sent a check. And uh, But nobody really kind of absorbed the message or the issues. And we resolved to talk about the successes of the work that was being done and the successes of the animal welfare movement 
and the successes of the no-kill movement. So the messaging that Best Friends put out there was really very positive, very readable, very approachable, and understandable. So that rather than frightening people with terrible graphic images of animal suffering, we chose instead to tell the stories of the successes of animals and the happy endings. They may have had a sad start, but we always emphasized the fact of the, the success and the well-being of the animals and encouraged people to focus on that and to work towards that. And along, that, along with the message of ending the pointless killing of shelter animals, proved to be something that captured the public imagination, and it really just uh, took off. I noticed that in the materials provided by Best Friends, there is just really sort of a line that talks about the numbers of treatable, healthy animals that were euthanized last year in the city of L.A. Could you share that, just that total? Because I do think that's a pretty, I don't know, moving. Sure. And, you know, Los Angeles, um, and when I say we're talking about Los Angeles, we're really talking about the city of Los Angeles. It doesn't count the county of Los Angeles. You know, Los Angeles is a very big area. So we're focusing right now on the city. And there are six city shelters, seven, including the one that was never open to the public that we entered into an arrangement with the city to operate as a spay-neuter center that you mentioned earlier and a pet adoption center. So we're talking really about simply the city of Los Angeles, a population of 4 million. The greater Los Angeles area has is much larger than that. It's the largest metropolitan area in the country. And there are another six county shelters plus other municipal shelters. But for the city of Los Angeles alone, about 17,000 healthy and treatable animals were killed in 2011. So that's 17,000 needless deaths just in that community. And we are working to bring that down to zero so that uh, we can truly say that it's a no-kill city. Now, that doesn't mean that no animals ever die in the shelters because animals come in that are sick or injured or too dangerous or aggressive to be safely adopted to the public. So when we talk about no-kill, we're talking about, and when anybody in the no-kill movement is talking about no-kill, what we're talking about is ending the population control through lethal means. So we're talking about ending the routine killing of animals as a method of population control, not as a method or a tool for humanely ending the suffering of an animals that an animal is experiencing. That's something entirely different. We're talking about ending the needless killing of healthy and treatable animals. Right. Now, you mentioned the no-kill movement. Could you speak a little more broadly about what other efforts are underway around the country or even around the world as this, is, uh, this program is heard around the world? Sure. Well, there are programs, certainly in, in the United States, that have been very successful. The one that was kind of the benchmark for success in No Kill that took place back in the 1990s was San Francisco under the leadership of Richard Avanzino, and that sent both, set both the benchmark and the methodology for how you know, No Kill has been approached over the years. There have been some very notable successes in places like uh, Reno, Nevada, Boston, Texas, there's a program in, in New York that's working to take that city to no-kill Los Angeles, Salt Lake County. There's, we have a statewide initiative that Best Friends launched in around 2000 to take the entire state of Utah to no-kill. And within that time frame, uh, about nine communities have become uh, no-kill, including the Salt Lake County Animal Services. So there are a lot of models around the country that have demonstrated success but the, the, the kind of the ingredients of every community is different with a different emphasis and different needs. But basically what we're talking about is increased adoptions, the availability of low-cost and 
free spay neuter for the people who need it most, uh, targeted to the low income communities, pet retention programs that enable pet owners to keep their pets in their homes, other programs that are, you know, aggressively identify and locate pet owners for animals that are turned into the shelters, and, uh, you know, a variety of things, really all targeting the various streams that feed into the shelter population, both to lower the intake and to increase the live outcomes, what, you know, what we call noses in, noses out. And we want to see the noses in go down, the numbers of noses in reduced, and the number of noses out increased. So it really is important, as you say, to note that this is really a comprehensive approach to this whole problem. I wonder, you know, why LA? Why the launch of NKLA? Well, Best Friends has had a long-standing relationship with Los Angeles. We've been involved there for a very long time. We started doing volunteer programs there in the early 1990s. We began doing community-wide super adoptions, pet adoption festivals that were really targeted at placing you know, hundreds of shelter animals. We started doing those in the late 90s. We've had a long-running relationship with both the animal welfare community in Los Angeles and the LA Animal Services. And really, the whole, all of the ingredients came together with a commitment from the city. The city has stood up and stated that they want to become a no-kill city. The mayor is committed to no-kill. They brought in a general manager, Brenda Barnett, who is committed to no-kill and was actually part of the team in San Francisco back in the 90s. That was that um, sort of benchmark city. And Best Friends was now in a position to really engage in a constructive and very positive way with the entire community to bring more resources to bear and to provide the leadership that, that this kind of effort needs in, in a community like Los Angeles. But we had great relationships. There's a very sophisticated animal welfare and rescue community in Los Angeles. The city was, and the city council and the mayor were committed to it, and the LA Animal Services committed to it. So all those ingredients provided really a very positive environment to make this commitment. And also, probably at least as important, is the fact that Los Angeles is a trend-setting city. So many of the things that happen in Los Angeles are adopted by or influence what goes on elsewhere around the country and around the world. So it makes sense from a mission point of view for Best Friends Animal Society to work in a city that's going to have a multiplier effect around the country of the work that's done there. So lots of reasons for Los Angeles, but the main reason is that we have a long-standing relationship with it and we have a you know, very solid relationship with the animal welfare community as well as with the city and LA Animal Services. Well, why don't we take a break and when we come back, perhaps you could detail for us some of the other efforts of best friends in that city and then we could go in a little deeper to what's going on with NKLA and also with the taking over of this uh, of this shelter and, and then perhaps address some of the questions that folks listening might have as if they were interested in trying to duplicate the kinds of things. As you say, LA being a trend-setting city being a city of influence. Perhaps there'll be those who are, are listening today who would like to try doing the kinds of things that, uh, that you're doing or would like to contact you to see what might be done within their own communities. Well, so let's just take a break and uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. 
Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to 1-800-PetMeds.com forward slash road R-O-A-D to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain, fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, we're back and chatting with Francis Batista of Best Friends Animal Society. Francis, if we could, let's focus just a little more deeply on NKLA and on the new partnership that you've entered into with the city of LA to operate a pet adoption and spay-neuter center. One of the questions that I had as you were, you were speaking is that the shelter that you have taken over was one into which the public was not admitted. I'm curious what you were meaning by that. Well, in I guess it was in 1999 or 2000, there was a vote and a bond measure was issued to rebuild or replace the existing animal shelters in the city of Los Angeles, and the bond was also coupled with a, a similar effort for the fire department. So they were building new firehouses, new animal services, uh, new shelters, or refurbishing and, and repairing, renovating uh, ones that had existed. And what they did was they built, they had six, they built a seventh. And the seventh was uh, the Northeast Valley Animal Care Center located in Mission Hills. 
It's a beautiful building. They did a great job on it. But by the time the, the facility came online, the economy has, was beginning to tank and budgets were shrinking and there was no money in the coffers to hire the additional staff that was needed to run a seventh facility. So it was used for four years, Ruth, as a, an overflow facility in cases of emergency for evidence animals that were being held for court cases. Uh, occasionally, you know, there's a natural disaster in Los Angeles, a fire or whatever might be in the foothills, and homes are evacuated and, you know, temporary care is needed for some of those animals. So that facility was used as really a resource, but it wasn't ever open to the public as a shelter where people could come and surrender an animal or people could adopt an animal or people could get a pet spayed or neutered or any or licensing or any, any public service was uh, not available through the Northeast Valley Shelter. So again, with the continuing budget crunch, the city has, was planning to basically mothball that building because of attrition within the, the overall workforce within LA Animal Services, the skeleton staff that was on location there was being reassigned to other duties within the department that they were needed. And that facility was going to be closed. So Best Friends submitted a proposal to operate that facility as a pet adoption center and a spay-neuter center. Now, the pet adoption, the animals for adoption, sure. and you're going to hear a bunch of barking here in a second because my friends are all around here. I love it. <laughs> I guess they, whatever it was they saw it wasn't that exciting because they stopped. So all of the animals that are at that we have for adoption at the Best Friends Pet Adoption Spay-Neuter Center come from the other city shelters. So really, the contract that we have with the city is a, a contract for service. And so the service that we're providing is to find homes for animals from the other six city shelters, as well as to provide low-cost and free spay-neuter for the neediest citizens in the city, it's particularly those located in the vicinity of the Northeast Shelter. So Best Friends is investing a lot of money to make this happen, to operate this facility, and to provide a service that will bring more animals out of the city shelter system, provided offering them to the public for adoption, as well as providing free and low-cost spay-neuter services. So we were able to resurrect that facility, and rather than see it go into mothballs and be of no use, we were able to open it as a resource for the community. Are you seeing around the country a trend toward more of the city shelters being operated by private organizations? We're seeing some of that, and we're seeing more partnerships. In fact, again, this goes back that public-private partnership is something that was, again, pioneered in San Francisco back in the 1980s and 1990s when San Francisco SPCA, which had been animal control, made a decision to get out of the uh, animal control business. They helped the city to set up its own municipal shelter and establish an adoption compact with the city that they would take animals that the city brought in and find homes for them through the SPCA, through the San Francisco SPCA's uh, facilities. So that was an interesting uh, model. We've seen it elsewhere. The operation in Reno is the Nevada Humane Society, partnered with the Washoe County Animal Services, two adjoining buildings. One does the animal control operation, and the Humane Society does adoptions and spay neuter and you know, various other things. The one that Best Friends is engaged in is, again, slightly different, and I think is somewhat unique in that we are actually leasing a facility from the city on a service basis. And a similar operation is happening down in San Antonio, where uh, San, San Antonio Pets Alive 
is uh, running the adoption portion of the San Antonio Animal Control Service. So, you know, a lot of these things are being tried different ways of, you know, slicing the pie in order to get a positive result because, you know, we need to think of every way we can to maximize the resources that we have at our disposal to benefit the animals. So the work that we're doing in Los Angeles is also coupled with a citywide coalition. So Best Friends has created this initiative called NKLA that includes about close to 50 other organizations that are, you know, rescue organizations, spay-neuter organizations, advocacy groups, as well as the city LA Animal Services. So it's exciting, it's interesting, and, um, you know, you, uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but uh, the NKLA model is something that we're very pleased to kind of uh, have been able to do and, and excited to see where this is going. And signs are all very, very positive. Now, if there are individuals or groups who are interested in creating coalitions akin to NKLA, is there advice that you would offer to them? Well, yes. I mean, uh, you know, coalitions are, well, let me back up. You know, animal welfare and the animal welfare community has had somewhat of a history of disputation about technique and method and, you know, how you do things and is there enough money to go around and competitiveness and, and really things that have somewhat plagued the movement. And I think, you know, it's not uncommon. It's human nature. But to establish a coalition really is to try and bring folks together on a mission, to point and keep stay focused on the things that we're trying to achieve in common. And to it helps, in this case, that Best Friends has the resources to be able to provide support to our coalition partners through subsidies for increased adoptions and grants for spay-neuter projects and other you know, initiatives that will help move the, the ball down the field. So, you know, a coalition really is making the best use of the best talents of the community because it's very easy for everyone to, to duplicate each other's work. But inevitably, some do this aspect of it better than others. Some do that aspect of it better than others. Some are more engaged right on the ground in the community doing work with training and providing services for people that need it within the community. Others are doing work with shelters and finding homes for dogs and cats. Others are doing work with community cats and providing spay neuter and TNR work. So there's a whole broad spectrum of things that, that constitute the support net for the animals that ultimately is going to lead us to this no-kill America. And you know, the, the kind of the model that we have in Los Angeles is one that really rewards and encourages people to focus a bit more on LA Animal Services animals through subsidies that Best Friends provides, as well as to target the low-income communities for spay and neuter and to provide you know, increased spay and neuter for pets of families that would otherwise not be able to afford to get it done. Now, I'm assuming, too, that what is happening in L.A., you would want to replicate in other cities around the country. And so, you know, wondering maybe what you might be anticipating in the future along that line? Well, I think we see this particular approach has enormous potential and a great deal of flexibility because each city, as I say, is different. Each city has strengths and weaknesses in terms of what is already in place. I would invite anybody who's interested in finding more about this to visit NKLA.org, which is the website for the uh, campaign. And that kind of highlights a lot of the work and the different elements and components that includes both, you know, adoption and spay-neuter, but also fostering, volunteering, uh, and of course, 
invites the public to contribute, make donations, and support the work of the community. And so the coalition is being represented through this NKLA.org website. And I would be remiss if I didn't point out that this whole thing is being supported by a massive and very sophisticated advertising campaign that was provided pro bono by a company in Los Angeles called Let There Be Dragons, which is a content provider that works with TBWA, which is an international advertising agency and the folks that created the Apple brand, Energizer Bunny, Adidas, Taco Bell, Nissan. They are very large, sophisticated, very effective advertising agency, and they have donated all of their services to create the spectacular NKLA campaign. Um, that launched in April and has had you know, exposure throughout the city. And also they built the website for the campaign. Now, how would folks also get information about Best Friends? Maybe you might just tell us about your website, uh, Best Friends Magazine, other sure. through which we can learn more. Absolutely. Well, you start, if you want to find out what's going on with Best Friends in Los Angeles, you visit bestfriends.org slash LA. The master site, the mother site is bestfriends.org. And there's information on there about the magazine, about supporting. The magazine comes with membership to the organization. And Best Friends Magazine is really terrific. It features uh, stories of both general interest, but mainly focusing on the mission of Best Friends, which is to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. And so working to move these shelters to a no-kill status is all part of that mission of bringing about this time that we hope and pray will be with us soon, which is a time when there are no more homeless pets, when shelters are truly shelters, you know, that it's a place of, of protection for an animal in need, a temporary shelter, not a place that is to be feared or a place where an animal is going to lose its life, but a place that is a place of protection and a community resource for our animal friends. So that's where we see this all going, and that's what all of our work is geared towards. Now, if folks are in, in Utah and they would like to visit where it all began, the sanctuary there, how do they go about arranging for that? Well, again, you go on the bestfriends.org website and there'll be information on there about visiting the sanctuary. The sanctuary is spectacularly beautiful. As you said, we're located in the middle of the parks area of southern Utah. So we're not far from Zion National Park or the Grand Canyon, Lake Powell, Bryce Canyon. It's that kind of terrain and it's that beautiful a location in itself. And people come here from all over the country and all over the world to visit, to spend time. People come here for their honeymoons. I mean, it's, it is that beautiful. And it's a great place to both just relax, enjoy the, the beautiful scenery and the beautiful environment. But more importantly, it's a place to engage with the animals and really connect with a, a mission of compassion and kindness. And, you know, we have dogs, cats, horses, bunnies, birds, injured wildlife uh, rehabilitation, uh, you know, a variety of things. We really cover the spectrum of domesticated animal welfare. And on top of that, there is this spectacular red rock country of southern Utah. So anybody, highly recommend it. Visit bestfriends.org and there's, you know, all the information you need about visiting. And is there anything else that you would want to be certain to add? Well, I would really like uh, your listeners in Los Angeles to take the opportunity to visit the uh, Best Friends Pet Adoption and Spay Neuter Center. It's come and adopt a beautiful pet there. It's on Brand Boulevard near Sepulveda in Mission Hills. And you can get that location by visiting bestfriends.org slash LA. And we're open convenient hours and beautiful, beautiful dogs and cats for adoption. 
Well, thank you, Francis, for being with us and for sharing with us from your heart of compassion and passion for companion animals. And, and thank you for all of your efforts on behalf of all of the pets for whom you have been a champion. If any of our listeners have questions or comments about today's show, I'd invite you to email me at the address you'll find in my On the Road blog on Pet Life Radio. And as always, I hope you'll join us next time as we head out on the road with Mac and Molly. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.